What's up everybody, Brad here. It is Friday the 13th and it's not spooky this time of the year because Microsoft dropped some bombshells last night. They announced the Xbox Series X, which is sitting right beside me well, behind me, I wish it was sitting beside me and wish I could play with it, um, but we're not quite there yet. But uh, this podcast is going to be dedicated mostly to gaming because there's been a ton of announcements around it uh, in the last 24 hours, which we're going to recap. But before you go, if gaming is not your thing, I want to throw something out there. The year 2020, next year, is going to be a massive year of hardware from Microsoft. We have the Surface Hub 2X. We have the Surface Earbuds, which they announced this year, but will now be shipping next year. We have um neo we also have duo we also have the series x and we also have the surface book 3 and anything else that microsoft hasn't announced that they're going to be talking about next year they are going it's going to be a big year of hardware for microsoft and it's going to be kind of nuts um if you look at it spread out throughout the year microsoft um i, I don't know what else they're going to have up their sleeve we'll wait and find out but there you go 2020 is going to be a huge year of microsoft hardware we already know a quite a bit of it and um, it's a good way to start 2020 I think it's a good way um, so as as I noted here and probably everybody has seen if not and I know there's a lot of audio listeners here uh, Microsoft last night announced the Series X and I did a quick video on it last night just because it was a massive announcement but I want to talk through uh, some of the specs which we've learned since that announcement and some other things going on first off the name is Series X and I don't know, I don't, I don't have an opinion either way on it yet. I, I don't love it, but I don't, I'm not sitting here like scowling my face at it or anything. But I will point out that Microsoft is loving the X branding lately. They have the Surface Pro X, which I was, I thought this was it. This is the Surface laptop. My Pro X is upstairs. The Surface Hub 2X. They also have Windows 10X. And now they have the Series X console. So there's something going on with Microsoft and the X branding. And maybe this is reminiscent of like the I branding that Apple used at one point. But anyways, X it is. So X going to give it to you. Uh, there's a little DMX reference for you. Whatever. Um, so Xbox Series X, I don't know. You know, I would love to know your opinion about if you think this is a good name, bad name, what they should have named it. But it, it leaves some room for play. Because in, a, in an interview following the event, Phil Spencer says, hey, Series X means that we can be a little bit more creative. We can come out with a different series of devices. Uh, I, I wonder if when they announce Lockhart, whatever they're going to call it, it'll be maybe like Series Y. I, I don't think they do Y. That would actually be a pretty bad branding. They would give it some other series name. And we will see. We will see what they do with it. But it does remind me of... Windows Phone Series 7, which Microsoft announced, oh gosh, many, many years ago. And actually this week, Windows 10 Mobile is officially no longer supported, except for some minor instances of the Office applications. But anyway, so Service Phone Series 7 was a thing, and now we have Xbox Series X. And it's a little interesting because how are we going to, what's the shorthand version of Xbox Series X, right? We had Xbox, we had X360, we had XB1X for Xbox One X, we also had Xbone. If you remember, right, Xbox One when that first came out, is this going to be XX? What, 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 are we, what are we calling this thing? Um, that'll be that'll be fun. Anyway, so some of the specs that we do know, uh, they did officially confirm GDDR6 RAM, and I'm hearing still that it's going to be around like 16 gigs of RAM, something like that, three gigs dedicated to uh, the OS, and then um, the rest of games and other things. Um, so GDDR6 RAM, which is really fast RAM. Uh, it's going to be Zen 2, but I think Zen 2 Plus is probably more accurate because it's a customized, slightly customized version of what AMD has built. It's the latest Zen 2 that they created. Navi GPU, NVMe-based SSD ray tracing, um, 60 frames per second at 4K up to 120 frames per second. 
with a possibility of 8K. I think 8K is going to... I don't like to use the word future-proof because that anytime you use the word future-proof, you end up looking like a, like a, a dumb person. I don't know whatever adjective you want to use there uh, because future-proofing doesn't really exist because if we could predict the future, then it would be today. Anyways, um, so it will support up to 8K. I don't know how quickly 8K TVs are going to become a thing. I know TV manufacturers want them to become a thing, but 4K isn't really ubiquitous yet. Um, and so there you go. So anyways, up to 8 up to 8k support i am curious about the ports they're going to throw on the back of this thing if it's just going to have hdmi out or will it actually support hdi in specifically pass through i know for some people that is important uh, in their av console because this thing this thing is i'm curious about the design here i i don't dislike it i don't i'm not in love with it i do think Personally, that the Xbox One S, the white version, is the best looking console that Microsoft has ever built. But this is not, I'm not, it's not offensive. It's just kind of, I don't know, brutal-ish design, if you will. It's very industrial looking thing. And Phil Spencer in an interview said, hey, uh, we absolutely focused on function over form, which is a good thing because while this thing is whatever, it's basically a, a cube, right? It looks like a GameCube stacked on top of each other. And so it's roughly three controllers high and looks like about one controller wide if you want to get a rough idea of the size or about two disk drives roughly. You see like that's the disk drive right there, which it does have a disk drive as confirmed um, and up there. And then there's venting on the top. And so I'll be curious to see actually how it fits into an AV cabinet, but I'm very certain that Microsoft has already considered that but this is the design. It looks like a small form factor PC. And that shouldn't really surprise anybody. Consoles are just PCs. They they haven't really used custom custom chips in a very long time. They're, they're AMD based, right? AMD is x86 uh, making those chips for consoles for a while now. And it is a PC, right? Now it's a PC with some dedicated focus, but that's what it is. It's going to be a PC in your living room. I'm okay with that. As long as the performance is fine, as long as it works and I can just turn it on and not have to think about it. That's the beauty of a console. The console is not, you don't have to think about, do you have the best graphics card? Do you, have to, you just turn it on, play. You don't worry about overheating. You don't worry about anything else. You just play your games. That's why I like consoles. Um, but so that's the design. Some people seem offended or whatever. It looks like exhaust, it, the hot air is going to come out the top, which is smart, right? Cold air into the bottom, passing it up through the top. And Microsoft is making bold claims with this design and the Xbox in general, saying it will be the most powerful console ever, ever. And they don't even know what the PS5 is, but they're saying it's it's going to be better than that. And so there's a couple, couple things there. One, does Phil Spencer know uh, what the PS5 specs are? When it surprised me, when it surprised me, there's only so many AMD engineers. Um, there's so many only developers out there who already have dev kits. And so I bet Microsoft is feeling pretty confident to come out and say that, hey, they're saying it's going to be the most powerful console ever. We will see. It's most likely the tallest console ever. I think we can all agree with that so far. Um, although the PS3 was pretty big. That was a pretty big boy um, as well. But definitely focusing on design and not compromising on uh, to make a function out of it, so right, or a form out of it, I should say. And so, yeah, and then the, the controller here, by the way, this controller, which is a little hard to see here, you should go look at some images online, uh, is different. It is different. It's actually smaller. It's actually a little bit smaller. So if you have really large hands, it'll be interesting to see. Um, Phil Spencer said the previous controller design, which I have right here, uh, fits, according to their research, about 95% of the, the, the hands of the world, roughly. 
and this slightly updated ergonomic design fits 98%. So being a little bit more inclusive, there's also a new D-pad. The D-pad is derived from the Elite uh, V2 controller. There's also a dedicated share button, and there's a little bit of tapering more towards the top to give it a slightly smoother finish or a rounded design. So I'll be, I haven't obviously played with one yet, but the Xbox controller is one of my favorite controllers. I think it's better than Stadia's. I think it's better than PlayStation's. Um, that's just a personal opinion, but you know, that's, that's just how I feel about it. And so this is, I mean, this is the console. This is what we're going to be looking at for the, for the next while. Obviously I bet they'll eventually come out with a white version um, and they'll come out with different various and colors, but you know, at least from day one, you can have it in any color you want as long as it is black. And so, that is that. Now, Phil Spencer did do an interview, and there's a couple interesting things uh, that he did talk about relating to xCloud. Uh, he said, we are not trying to tell people that xCloud is going to replace their console or xCloud is going to replace their gaming PC. I, this is something I've been kind of pivoting on uh, or pointing out for a while now. This is why I think xCloud will beat Stadia, because xCloud is not the product. It is a feature of your Xbox subscription service, right? It's just something you can go do if you want. You don't buy it specifically for that. Whereas Stadia, all you get is online streaming. That's it. You got, you got nothing else. You don't have a console. You don't have a PC gaming. You just have that service. And so Microsoft is thinking about it exactly in that way. And more specifically, I think this is really neat from uh, Spencer and his team saying, we literally show up to a third-party publisher and we hand them a phone with their games running in xCloud, Spencer said. They didn't have to do any work to make it happen. This is from a GameSpot interview that he did following the event. I think that is very, very important because for games to get onto Stadia, I believe they have to be ported to Linux and then and then they can start to begin the process of making it work with Stadia. With xCloud, it just works. They don't have to do anything. Microsoft has all the magic on the back end and the game just shows up and starts working. The developer doesn't do any overhead. That is, that is a, a major barrier removed to bringing content to xCloud. I mean, Microsoft overnight went from what was like four to 50 games. It was just like, bam, they just did it. And so uh, there's that. Uh, a little bit of inside baseball here. So I keep getting asked about iOS apps because a lot of people have iPhones and when I try xCloud, I can tell you that they have started expanding the testing of iOS apps inter internally and externally actually. Um, now that I think about it. And so, yeah, if you're looking for iOS on xCloud, it should be coming in the near-ish future. I'm also very curious to see this on the PC. That is probably the one that I'm waiting for because that is where I had the best Stadia experience. And so I really want to try xCloud in a browser because I think that will be quite a bit of fun personally. So um, there's still some things we don't know, obviously, about this device. We don't know the price. We don't know the raw performance output, but I don't know if Microsoft... They might, if they if they're really feeling confident, they will come out and tell us the raw performance output once once they know exactly what Sony is. Is if they're beating it, I guarantee we will probably probably see that. But we don't know price, raw performance, um, exact availability yet. But Phil Spencer noted that says, hey, uh, most of the console now is out of the way, and what they're doing is they're setting up E3 to be again, as Phil likes to talk about it, all about games, and so that is what they're doing. They're clearing the deck, although we're still what six months five and a half ish ish months away from e3 but microsoft is really coming out and showing everything off there's also it what appears to be an led up in the top and we all know that leds add fps so uh good job microsoft by you know making everybody who enjoys leds um whatever and i guarantee someone's going to come out and figure out how to change that and then you'll be able to i'm actually hoping you can kind of change the color yourself that would be kind of neat or if it's reactive in some way or some sort of signal light or i actually also hope that you can turn it off because for some people it could be highly annoying at that 
And there you go. Um, <laughs> the one interesting thing about the timing of this announcement, by the way, is they did this what, two weeks before Christmas. Two weeks before Christmas. I, there had to have been some talk internally about, hey, if we announce this console and start showing it off and drop these uh, delicious details, are we going to neuter our Xbox One sales before Christmas? And it, it's a valid point because now you're saying, oh gosh, this is the actual thing coming next year. Should I go buy that 100 and, I don't know if it's still $150, but we'll just say Xbox All Digital Edition that I bought on Black Friday. Should I still give that to my child for Christmas knowing that this thing is coming? Well, here's the thing that Phil and his team have religiously pointed out that all games on Xbox current today will work tomorrow on this device. And I believe it's gonna be backwards compatible at least around initial launch as well. So you're gonna get some value out of it, especially if you only paid 150 bucks for that all digital edition, you'll at least, at least get a year out of it because this thing will not be mass market on day one. And it's also probably gonna be pretty hard to get a hold of on day one uh, as well. So keep all of that in mind. If you're thinking about buying one of these things, just find a good deal and then you get a year of gaming and then you can maybe sell it to GameStop or do whatever you want with it um, once that actually happens. So a lot going on, a lot going on with this console. I, I think there's some credit to Microsoft here. They, they really pulled this one as a surprise. I was not expecting it until they traditionally had done launches like a month or two uh, before E3. And so maybe they will still do that, but that was their historical cycle um, with a lot of their consoles. And hey, you know, hands, hats off to Phil and his team. They, they surprised a lot of people here, including myself, which was very nice. It was very nice to just be pleasantly surprised about how this came out. And I am very excited if I had to guess a price point on this thing. This is pure speculation. I bet that thing is $4.99. That's my guess. Uh, $399 would be a huge delight, but I bet it's between $399 and $499. I think that's probably where it's going to be. If Microsoft is truly chasing the crown of highest performance console, meaning that they had to put the highest bin parts that they could get a hold of, well, a hold of within reason uh, while designing and specking out this thing, it's not going to be cheap. It's not going to be cheap, which is why I think Lockhart hopefully is still part of that conversation. So, uh, anyways, folks, that kind of wraps up the, the announcement of what we know and what we still don't know. There's going to be a lot more to come. And so we've got some questions in for the podcast this week. And so I'm going to dive right in there. And it says, hi, Brad, Dave R. here. Business Insider published a piece yesterday. Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella explains how he future-proofed, which I already talked about, I don't like that term, Microsoft's cloud by using the next big thing called edge computing. The article went on to mention the idea uh, is to push compute to local devices and the cloud work in tandem with those uh, local devices like a heterogeneous uh, compute solution. It got me thinking. Since Crackdown 3, Microsoft hasn't really mentioned this heterogeneous solution for Xbox. Maybe I have missed it. Since when Microsoft when it se seems uh, when Microsoft dis discusses xCloud or Xbox, they do so as if they are destined disparate system can you use or one or other but Nadella's comment made hinted at the future otherwise any thoughts so uh, he also likes the gray wall behind me thinks that took was a pain in the butt to put up anyways um, so yeah if you remember when crackdown 3 launched they made this huge deal about how you can use cloud compute to as a, it was basically a demonstration piece about how you can use xcloud in multiplayer scenarios to create these worlds that are completely destructive while offloading some of the compute to the cloud I think that is still very much in the cards. They learned a lot from Crackdown and that it's not quite as easy 
as they would hoped uh, when it came to gaming. Remember, Crackdown 3 was delayed a lot, and it wasn't necessarily because of the first player. It was trying to get this cloud solution up and running. It was It's complex because it's really, really time-sensitive, really time-sensitive. Um, the latency and everything else is really important. And so I know that they took their learnings from that and have incorporated some of it into xCloud. And so you got to remember, xCloud actually kind of does this edge computing thing. It, it's not fully, uh, obviously, offloading the compute to the edge, but it's bringing the display to the edge. It's starting to cross that line it's starting to visualize if you will uh nadell is what he's talking about here now edge computing let's be real is not anything entirely new this has been around for a while it is becoming more commonplace because of high bandwidth cellular services like lte and obviously 5g are going to help that out significantly and also and also compute has gotten much much tinier and runs much cooler so it's now it's easier to do but it's not entirely new so uh, Geek with Kids says, have you heard when Microsoft is planning on expanding xCloud beta outside of the US, particularly Canada? Yeah, I believe they announced that in 2020, they're going to go to, I think, I know Japan and Canada, and there might have been another one in there, but I can't remember who, um, another country, but they haven't told us what date. I would imagine since they've already announced this date, it's going to be earlier in 2020 than later, but I don't know the exact date. It says, I managed to accept it into the beta but won't work in Canada. Had some success with using a VPN. It worked pretty well, but could really like to have proper access. Yeah, hopefully here soon. Uh, Dan in business says, what are your thoughts on the Surface Duo with shipping with the Snapdragon 855? Panos has said that the hardware is pretty much locked based on the reports that I've seen uh, in various places. It looks like the Snapdragon 865 is 5G only. Won't have an integrated modem, but uh, which is likely to result in less than ideal battery life, which could result in a dual screen or issues with a dual screen device. As such, sticking with the 855 looks like a smart move. For the matter, is there any indication that it will have a rear camera? From what I've seen on the mock-ups, not so much. I believe it does have a rear rear camera, but it's it's not like the rear we're thinking of because it's on one of the hinges, so it's it's rear when it's opened. Um, there, there's a lot of questions about Duo that we don't know. And... If they, if they truly stick with 855, which I honestly, I think will be fine. Um, I, hopefully it'll help keep the price down. My bigger issue with the Duo right now is going to be the price. This thing's going to be a premium device. It's going to be expensive and it's probably going to be a limited distribution type device. Meaning that if you live in a, a country that's not the US, UK or Europe, um, I suspect you might have some trouble getting your hands on it, at least initially looking at how historically Microsoft has launched its hardware. Is running an 855 an issue? I don't think so, personally. The 855 is a good chip. Yeah, it'll be a year old when it launches, but Microsoft will, should be able to get it at a discount. They'll also have having worked with it for a while. You got to remember, they're building a new S, new, or using a new OS for them, realistically speaking. Uh, and they're also trying to make it do different things than they are accustomed to. So they need longer runways than being able to slap new chips in and do whatever. And so they want to use the tried and true tested 855 when it launches because they will have roughly 18-ish months or more development time under the hood with it uh, and real world testing. So um, I'm not, I'm not too worried if it launches without 5G, if, as long as it has LTE connectivity, I think it should be, it should be fine. Again, I don't think this is going to be like an iPhone killer or a Galaxy S 11, 12, 13, whatever killer in that capacity. This is going to be a device for people who specifically go out and look for something like that. 
uh, Thrust Bucket says, recently there were some rumors on Reddit, Reddit about Cyberpunk 2077 on launching on Xbox Game Pass. Most people consider that absurd. Regardless of whether that rumor is true, it got me thinking, would it not make a lot of sense for Microsoft to cut seven or eight digit checks to secure high profile third-party launches on Game Pass? Ultimately, that is still cheaper than buying games and running studios, and it may get them similar results, solidifying Game Pass and the Xbox ecosystem as much uh, as a must have for gamers. Do you think it's possible Microsoft might actually go be going all in on Game Pass in such a way that they will try to secure big third party releases? Have you heard anything about this? So here's what I can tell you what that I have heard is that Game Pass is what Microsoft wants Xbox future to be, right? And, and I don't mean, when I say future, I don't mean next year. I mean, let's talk 10 years down the road. They want a subscription service that you just pay monthly to and it gives you access to the games and you play it anywhere you want and it's just perfect, it's great and all that good stuff. And they have a software as a service business model is what Microsoft wants. Would Microsoft be willing to cut checks to get games exclusivity into Game Pass? I absolutely think that they would. They're literally buying studios and telling that they have to launch on day one in Game Pass because Microsoft, Nadella and the upper management are pressuring Xbox to make Game Pass a success because it is sticky, it is long-term, and it helps people uh, retain the Xbox branding and family, and which is what Microsoft wants. They want people in subscriptions. They don't want people buying one-off purchases anymore. And so Game Pass is the future of Xbox. And so would Microsoft be willing to do that? Absolutely. I don't think it's absurd to think that Microsoft would consider Cyberpunk 2077 as, an, as a Game Pass exclusive. I haven't heard that personally, but you have to understand that Game Pass is where Microsoft wants customers to be. They loved Xbox Live, Microsoft did. And now they love Game Pass because this is the model that Microsoft is going to. Look at Office 365, look at Microsoft 365. This is the service that Microsoft wants to win long-term and they're gonna do everything and make those significant investments upfront, which they are already showing that they are willing to do. So is it outside the realm of possibility? Absolutely not. Have I heard, is it gonna happen? No, but would it surprise me? Not at all. Microsoft wants people in Game Pass. That's why they were doing those crazy deals. Like I bought three years of it um, upfront for the price that I would have been paying for Xbox Live Gold. Microsoft is playing this for the long haul. They are not trying to win overnight. They're trying to create a sustainable, long-term, long-tailed platform with Game Pass. And I think it's a brilliant move as long as it all pays dividends like Microsoft is investing. Uh, Four Bad Cat says, with the year coming to an end, is it is this the time for reorg activity at Microsoft? Curious if you are, are uh, hearing of any interesting shuffles ahead. Uh, so that's his first uh, first question. And so Microsoft uh, Microsoft typically reorgs in the month of July. Their fiscal year, which is their their year of financial operations, ends June 30th. So I haven't heard any reorgs yet. Although it's not completely out of the ordinary. Remember uh, Terry Myerson left, and I believe it was a February. So but that's not quite new year related. So I haven't heard anything personally. Um, another decade down, what's your assessment of tech journalism and how it's changed over the past decade? Any bright spots, any dark corners? So here's here's kind of my thing. And I know I am, I, I am calling the kettle black, sort of, if you will. But journalism, there's two different things here, right? You have your traditional journalism, which is the New York Times um, and 
Wall Street journals of the world that are traditional papers, the Bloombergs, if you will, that are, are editorial shops and all that stuff. And then there's online journalism or writing and reporting. So to create a, to create a news site on the internet costs you about 10 bucks, right? You can go to Namecheap, you can get a, a $7 a month WordPress install, you can get like a free domain or it's like three bucks or something. And that allows you to build a website and start writing as if you are doing reporting. But there's a difference between people who just write things and then people, um, and I'd like to think I'd fall into the latter category of who try to verify information before they just start running with it. And so I have a, a long history of leaking things that are accurate. And so I'd like to think, but whatever. Um, the thing with journalism here is that it's expanded and contracted at the same time. On one hand, it's it's expanded in the places you can get information online, but at the same time, like the traditional journalist role of the guy who's running around on the street has contracted significantly because it's not very profitable, which I think is a disservice to the community. Um, you should always try to support your local news operations because they certainly need it and they help keep your local politicians accountable, which is important. I'm not going to go any further into politics on it. So the bright spots are is that we have more of it and better places to get it. The dark side is that, hey, it, it's also sort of a dying industry um, for that tried and true classic journalist who runs around um, with his notepad and that that style of thing. So. Uh, good question for Backcats, because we are coming to the end of a decade. 2019 will be over here before we know it. And I think there's, I think it's a merit to look back at the seeing how the smartphone world has changed, right? Smartphones used to be, you, people, I think people still get excited about upcoming releases. But if you went back to like 2013, like people would be crazy because the leaps and bounds between releases was, was significant. And today, what do we get? Slightly faster processor, slightly better camera, maybe a couple more lenses, but nothing too groundbreaking. Smartphones are, are pretty much, um, flatlined in terms, not flatlined, but the rate of uh, improvements has declined significantly over the earlier years. Um, we have Web 3.0, some people call it, and it's it's been a good decade for tech. It's been a quickly growing thing. You might have different opinions on some of the technology companies, how the Googles and the Facebooks of the world have grown up during that decade, um, sometimes for better, sometimes a lot of times for worse. Um, it's been an interesting decade. And so tech journalism in itself has been an evolving industry. There's a lots of pressures from lots of different sides. I mean, I get pitches every single day. It says, Hey Brad, will you talk about our PDF DVD burning software and we'll, we'll give you affiliate links and then you can make some money. And so everybody's trying to make a dollar and I respect that. But at the same time, you kind of got to stay grounded in, in what's the right way to make a dollar in this industry. And so uh, with that, guys, we'll wrap it up here. Hit that subscribe button and we'll catch all of you right back here next time.